Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are talking all about the microbiome. We are also going to talk about tips and tricks that you can do to improve your gut health right now. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. My name is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and thank you so much for joining us here today. My special guest is Mary Purdy, who is an integrative eco-dietitian with a master's degree from Bastyr University, where she currently is an is adjunct faculty. She's been in clinical practice for over 12 years, utilizing personal medicine and a functional nutrition approach. She's given over 100 nutrition workshops, speaks regularly at health and nutrition conferences, and was a keynote speaker at Bastyr University commencement ceremony in 2019. Additionally, she hosts a podcast, The Nutrition Show, and she's authored the books, Serving the Broccoli Gods and the Microbiome Diet Reset. She is a trained climate reality leader and a consultant working with organizations to create sustainable and a food system that supports planetary health and helps to mitigate climate change. We are talking about how the microbiome actually can affect your weight. It can affect how you're utilizing calories. It can impact autoimmune conditions. It can impact things like type one diabetes. It also can be linked to your mental health. We also talk about lifestyle factors that will deplete your microbiome and some things to avoid. Mary, it is so awesome to have you on the show today. And I am really looking forward to digging into the microbiome because it's such an important piece of who we are, you know, at, at bloating and, you know, how we feel and energy. I mean, it just encompasses so many things. So how did you get so passionate about the microbiome? Well, I've always been really passionate about gut health as a dietitian, you know, what we eat affects our gut because it's got to go through that long tube that we have in there. And almost always, whoever came to see me when I was in private practice or working with patients, there was inevitably something that came up around digestion. And we would have to explore what was triggering the issues, whether it was the bloating or um, issues that were actually much more chronically related, you know, related to some of those health conditions that we're seeing so prevalently in our, in our, in our society these days. But ultimately, it was when I started working at um, a company called Aravel, which is no longer in existence, but we were actually testing the gut microbiome of all of our clients. So we were seeing hundreds and hundreds of results from stool samples, uh, poop samples, and that allowed us to really dive deep into what kinds of bacteria were in existence in certain individuals and how that related to their health conditions. And then ultimately how interventions, both lifestyle and diet-wise, were helping to improve uh, the makeup of their bacteria. And seeing those results was really fascinating. What did you guys see? What did, I mean, I'd be interested to know what you found. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the research was still in its emerging stage, which I think it constantly is. But one of the things that we saw across the board was mostly about diversity. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things we can say for sure about microbiome. We don't know what the optimal makeup um, of the microbiome is for everybody because for everybody, it is 
always going to be different. What we do know for sure is that when someone has a more diverse microbiome, that is diversity of different species, um, different families, different phyla, different genuses in their uh, in their gut microbiome, that usually has been correlated with more a healthy immune system, better blood sugar values, better heart health. And so we also saw that when that diversity score, uh, that's how we referred to it was a score, a diversity score. When that went up or down, we saw that correlated with some health issues, but also with digestive issues. So that was fascinating to see some of those improvements and also some of those um, uh, deprovements. Is that a word? <laughs> those, yeah, right. Those, those <laughs> compromised functions. Yes. Backslides, right? <laughs> so what- Backslides, exactly. And what did you guys find as it related to, it sounds like you kind of did pre and post testing, like, you know, a lifestyle would be a certain way. And then, you know, you would do some lifestyle modifications and then you would find some other things. Like what, what did you find positively affected, you know, the gut microbiome from a lifestyle perspective? It's, it's a good question. I, and again, I always have to come back to for different people, it was different. And because the way that we were looking at it was a bit of a bird's eye view as opposed to the deep dive, because we felt we didn't have enough research on looking at very, very, very specific strains. So we were looking more at these major phylas or families of bacteria. Uh, and what we found, or, and also what we found in the research and what I've continued to see in the research is that sleep makes a difference on microbiome. Stress makes a difference on microbiome. Exercise, regardless of diet, has a positive impact on microbiome. So those were really important on understandings for us to know that the microbiome ain't just about what you're putting in your mouth, right? It's about what you're doing with your whole body. It can be about a state of mind as well. And I think as practitioners who are looking at things from that holistic perspective, it is essential for us to understand all these lifestyle factors and how they contribute to our health and through what pathways and systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that's, you know, I think that's amazing to, to hear you say that, that this, you know, sleep affects your gut. I mean, people do not correlate that or put that together that that's important or exercise or any of these other things that could ultimately be affecting the gut microbiome. Did you guys find, and I'm like trying to, I'm really diving into the minutia here. Did you find an optimal level of sleep, um, you know, hours or time like that people slept, you know, how some people, their circadian rhythm will, oh, I go to bed at midnight and then I wake up at, you know, 10, right. Versus, you know, um, going to bed at nine or 10 and, you know, waking up at five or six, did you find any hours or, um, you know, just like sleep cycle? Unfortunately, not in the research that we were able to do. Um, you know, that research is still there somewhere in, in, in a data bank, and perhaps they've taken and extracted some of that data and, and put it into more of a formulation that helps them to understand that. But not that we were able to extract during the time that I was there for four years where we were looking at that. But 
you know, again, what I've seen in the research about sleep in general is that seven to nine hours tends to be optimal for all mm -hmm. health issues, for all systems. And again, that's going to differ from person to person. There are some people who simply feel they don't need as much sleep, but in general, we see positive benefits of sleep on, on pretty much everything. So uh, around that much, seven to nine hours, that's what I have found. I'm not sure about what, what your research has shown as well. Mm -hmm. Same time frame. I think eight's optimal personally. Um, seven, I yeah. think there was, I even found some literature where seven was maybe a little bit too low. Um, but I think mm -hmm. for, for what I've said, but there was a clear drop off at six hours of sleep where people really yes. start to have mm -hmm. problems at about six hours. So that's, that's what I've noticed in the literature for, for sure. I was just going to say, I think six hours and below is a correlated, um, or associated with, or causative to higher inflammatory factors, whether that's CRP or other inflammation in the body. And we know that when there's inflammation in the body, there can often be inflammation in the gut and that can have an impact on the, the bacterial population that lives there too. So maybe there's that correlation as well. Again, I'm extrapolating that from other research, not necessarily uh, causation specifically, but, um, sometimes that's how our minds have to work. Mm -hmm. Well, it's hard to study that, right? Because no one's like, well, how much does sleep affect the microbiome? Like, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it hasn't really been correlated to that amount. And I would say as mm -hmm. a general rule in practice, and I don't know what you think, but it's a general rule in practice. I think everybody is just fried, wired, but tired, stressed, exhausted, They've crammed too many mm -hmm. things into mm -hmm. a day. And so, so we know that stress will deplete the microbiome, but you said something really interesting. You said, but it's also a state of mind. What did you mean by that? That could actually mean a number of things. When we take a step back, right, and look at the microbiome and the effect that it has on the body, many people think, oh, it's in your digestive tract, so therefore it's going to impact your digestion. That is absolutely 100% right. Yes, it affects your digestion and your absorption, but it goes way beyond that, right? So it has to do with your immune function. It, it protects you, your body from outside pathogens. It's one of the first lines of defense. It actually is determining um, how much energy we burn from our food. It has an impact on inflammation. It has an impact on how we metabolize carbohydrates on, on our insulin sensitivity. It creates uh, short chain fatty acids, which help to protect our gut. And it also helps with creating vitamins and minerals. The other thing about this is the effect that it has on our nervous system. So there's an interesting cycle that's going on when we feed our gut um, or these bacteria in our gut healthy foods and live a healthier lifestyle that supports their existence and their ability to thrive. There's actually a connection between our gut and our brain that is occurring uh, via something called the vagus nerve. And we're producing serotonin and other neurotransmitters that help our, our brain to feel good and feel happy and feel calm. And the bacteria has a really strong role to play in that. And again, we're still learning what the research is on this, trying to understand it fully. But in terms of that state of mind, not only is our state of mind affecting our gut, because when we are stressed, our um, something called secretory IgA, SIgA, which is an immune factor, gets diminished and depleted. That can affect the gut, uh, or the bacteria there, or the lining actually of that um, of the gut. But then, in, in 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 turn, when we are eating those good foods or not eating enough of those good foods or eating foods that might be detrimental, that in turn is having an impact on the bacterial makeup that communicate with our brain and make us feel calm and happy. So there's a very interesting relationship 
relationship between the health of our gut and the health of our mental state and our emotional state as well. And that's a little bit of what I mean about that state of mind piece. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. Really? So we've really dived into kind of what the microbiome is, you know, that we know that it's a part Mm -hmm. of the good bacteria living in, in our gut. And I think we've, we've done like a little bit to why it's important, but Are there other reasons that the gut microbiome is important that we haven't touched on yet? Well, what what can be interesting, again, if you look at the literature, you you will see that people who have what is known as dysbiosis, which is an imbalance between the good bacteria, which we want a sufficient amount of, and the bad bacteria, which we want to keep in check. So dysbiosis is that imbalance between not having enough good bacteria or having too much bad bacteria. And what we've seen is when there is that dysbiotic relationship, that usually is correlated with a number of different health conditions like, and again, this can be digestive issues, IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, but also more chronic issues, um, metabolic syndrome, type one and type two diabetes, um, obesity, cardiovascular disease, um, uh, neurological issues, things with autoimmune issues. And that's a big one, I think, which we don't often consider. We think of immune, right? Immune system. If your gut bacteria are protecting you and your immune system, great. That helps you with preventing disease and infection. But also there can be an autoimmune disruption that occurs as a result of a dysbiotic um, bacterial population. And we're seeing so much autoimmunity right now. And again, it's not just the bacteria. There's usually a trigger and there's a trauma and there's um, potential intestinal permeability and other things that that can contribute or inflammatory, underlying inflammatory conditions. But I think that's a big one is inflammation, which is a, a hallmark of autoimmunity and autoimmunity, which uh, is in so many people's um, medical history these days, both current and past. So, so that's one that I think is important to talk about. You know, I love that you brought that up because people don't seem to make the jump between the gut health. And I feel like you keep driving this point home, which is so important. They don't make the, the jump from gut health to 
diabetes. They don't make the jump from gut health to autoimmune disease. It's like, these are, we have been taught that these are separate systems and that, okay, Mm -hmm. I have a neurological problem. Now I'm going to go see a neurologist. I have a gut issue. I'm going to go see a gastroenterologist. But instead of looking at how these systems work together and how they're important, I mean, we know that the gut microbiome has a major impact in just obesity and weight loss. Big time, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, a lot of it has to do with how um, calories are being harvested, right? So many people who are struggling with their weight are going, gosh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not eating more than, than I feel like I, I, I need, uh, you know, and again, as a dietitian, I'm not a big calorie counter. That's just not how I see food. I'm not interested in, in viewing food and nutrition that way, but what can be helpful for people is that it may not be about the calories it, or even the food that they're eating. It may be about how the bacteria and their gut are digesting, metabolizing, metabolizing and breaking down that food. And if there aren't sufficient amounts of those good bacteria, that food is not actually being uh, broken down and harvested in a way that helps to burn calories. And that may be why somebody is going like, I can't lose this weight. You know, I don't know what's going on. That may be one component of it to consider. So then the next kind of step is like, well, I'm going to go take probiotics or, or prebiotics or whatnot, but I feel worse or I don't feel mm. better or I'm not losing weight. What's, what's your comment to that? Well, I think it's almost like that can be a differential diagnosis, right? If you take probiotics and you're feeling worse, first of all, I'm always going to say, let's back off. How many are you taking? Are you taking a hundred billion probiotics? Let's start with 5 billion or 10 billion. See how that does you first. But if someone is continuing to feel really, really sick when they're taking probiotics, that may be an indicator that there could be some kind of bacterial overgrowth. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where bacteria are migrating up to the small intestine where they often do not belong, and they're causing a lot of digestive issues. So gas bloating, um, you know, upset stomach, nausea. And so if you're taking probiotics, that can actually just exacerbate the whole situation. So I think it, it it's, can be important to take a step back and try and figure out, all right, well, what's going on? What's triggering this? What are your other symptoms? What's your medical history? What's your diet like? And uh, let's start there and see if we can get, get you to at least some kind of a baseline. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. So are there specific foods that we can use to really support our gut microbiome. Absolutely. And, and I would say, I would put them into um, categories. So while there, you could say a specific food like asparagus, that's great. You know, it has, it has inulin, which is a prebiotic. That's wonderful. But I think for me, it's easier for people if they hear the category, right? So the one of the most important foods, and again, if someone's got a ton of gas or SIBO, this might be a little problematic. So take a step back, but in general, fiber. Fiber is the key for a good bacterial ecosystem because those bacteria are essentially being fed by the indigestible or non-digestible parts of food. The bacteria are like, hooray and hurrah, I get fed today. So the more we get fiber into the diet and fiber is defined essential, or if you're thinking about food groups, we're thinking about our beans, our whole grains, our nuts, our seeds, our fruits, and our vegetables. And I know not all of those foods are going to work for every body, but fiber is a key component of keeping the gut happy and healthy. So that's one food group. 
you want me to move on to the next? I do. I do. <laughs> okay. You can pause me at any time if you need to just like get a word in there. Um, Cause I can get passionate about these things and I get on a roll. I love it. So I would say the next, so the next thing, and when we're thinking about fiber, everyone's needs are different, but you know, we're definitely not getting enough in our general population. People get, you know, five to 15 grams of fiber, maybe just to give you a, a sense of what that looks like. You know, a half a cup of beans is around seven grams of fiber, just to give you like the, a ballpark. But most people need anywhere between 25 to 40 grams a day. And some might even venture to say if someone has metabolic syndrome or diabetes or other issues, that a higher amount of fiber actually is very beneficial. But again, it varies from person to person. Um, the other thing that's really important for uh, our bacteria are phyto compounds, phyto, phytochemicals. These are the good plant chemicals. So the more diversity, here comes that diversity word again, um, the more diversity we see in the diet, the better, the more anti-inflammatory compounds, the better. Uh, the bacteria tend to thrive on those antioxidants or those polyphenols that we find in your red peppers, your broccoli, uh, your green tea, right? So the more of those we can get in there, very often that helps to stimulate the good bacteria and inhibit the bad bacteria. So bright colored foods. Um, additionally, probiotics, right? So not just the probiotic that you pop in a pill, but probiotic rich foods. And this is almost always in every culture included somewhere in there, whether it's cultured uh, yogurt, and that can be non-dairy yogurt or uh, dairy yogurt. It can be fermented foods. It can be, uh, uh, and that can be like, you know, sauerkraut or kimchi or tempeh or miso, uh, miso paste. Those are wonderful ways to gain additional good bacteria and also sometimes feed the, 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 the good bacteria because many of those probiotics can often be sources of the prebiotics, which help to feed the probiotics. So those are great. And, um, and then the last category that I'll throw out there are omega-3 fatty acids. So as I mentioned, one of the drivers of dysbiosis, that imbalance can be and, and just poor gut health is inflammation. So anything we can do to manage and modulate inflammation is really helpful. So when we get in more of those omega-3 fatty acids, whether that's from um, fish, cold water fish, or if someone is vegan from uh, your walnuts, your flax, your chia, your hemp, uh, that is a really, really important part of the diet for supporting good microbial health. So that was a whirlwind, but there you have it. There's just like a few it. ideas. Oh, I like it. So, um, and there's always that big question, cooked or raw or both? Yes. Brilliant question. And I would say it depends. And I, I say that it depends, I think, more than any other sentence in the entire world. But I also like where you're going with the both um, because many people think it has to be all or nothing, right? But I think it can be both. Some people don't react well to raw foods. Then you want to cut back on the raw foods. The thing is with cooked is you can guarantee that bacteria that might be in that beautiful batch of spinach that you picked from a, a garden or bought from the store, if you're cooking that spinach, normally that spinach would have, you know, hundreds of different microorganisms in it because it's coming from hopefully from some healthy solid soil that also has healthy microorganisms in it. And we eat that whether you wash or not, there's still those microorganisms. So heat we know high temperatures kill microorganisms. So if we are seeking to get those healthy microorganisms from our food, uh, if we're heating everything, we're losing some of that. Uh, so there, there's there's something to be said about that. And, and then again, antioxidants or those polyphenols may shift depending on the food. Um, 
uh, with with heat applied to it, you know, carrots and tomatoes tend to actually um, give off more of their protective plant compounds when heated, whereas others uh, may actually lose some of those protective um, antioxidants or uh, polyphenol uh, properties when they're cooked. So a little bit of both, I think is always a good idea. Exactly. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Oh, uh, they can find me on my website, which is marypurdy.co. That's marypurdy.co, not com, but .co. And I also have a podcast, which is called The Nutrition Show. So you can take a look for that um, on my website or in iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a great conversation. It was wonderful to have you. Love all the wonderful information. Love what you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Barter. It was so lovely to chat with you today and I'm honored to have been um, a guest today. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.